Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. This morning we're going to look once again at the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, we're again in the same scripture. I know it's been a while. We've been here for quite some time. We've been camped out in the same spot. But let me tell you, it's, it's coming to a close. We're getting ready to, to hit new territories soon. But uh, before we get into our scripture today, let's join our hearts in prayer. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we thank You so much for Your great love and mercy, and we praise You for all that You give. Lord, we praise You for the privilege of being in Your house, of extending our worship to You, of allowing You to know uh, our, our heart in this time as we seek to know Your will and Your desire for our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5. We're uh, still in the same passage of Scripture in Ephesians 5. Paul's been trying to help us to understand what it means to be wise, how do we live as Christians, how we live according to God's desire, and we're looking at the Spirit-filled life. We're looking at what it means to have a, a life filled with uh, the Spirit of God. And last, uh, last time we talked about song. We talked about how uh, joy it just erupts within our hearts and lives and how God just overwhelms us with His joy at being uh, filled with the Spirit. And uh, if you'll go back with me to uh, the very beginning of Ephesians, I know you're saying, well, wait a minute, we got so far. Why do we have to go back? But uh, we're going back. We, we understand uh, that, that this is all a part of what it means to have... Uh, our lives molded and created by God, molded and shaped by God. We looked at the first three chapters of, of Ephesians, and that was all about God's plan for us as, and as His people, God's plan, what God wants for us. If you ever need to know what God desires, it's found in those first three chapters. He talked about His plan for our salvation. He talked about His uh, changing our lives through a relationship with Him and how He's preparing us for that time in which we'll be in His presence, inheritors of the gospel of uh, the inheritors of the wonderful gospel that God has given us, but also inherit inheritors with the uh, with the joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And so uh, that's the first three chapters. Then we looked at chapter 4, and we're going to go through chapter 6 of how we apply that, how we put that together. We uh, we saw at the end of, of verse 18 in Ephesians 5, it says, uh, be filled with the Spirit. We talked about all the stuff beforehand of what that contrast of what it's like to live life without the Spirit uh, and the pagan life of, of uh, all the things that they were involved in before. And he says, look, but now you have a new life, a new life in the Spirit. He says, be filled with the Spirit to be continually filled with the Spirit, not just simply... Uh, uh, 
you get one shot and one shot only and that's all you get and that's all. Look, when we get the Spirit of God, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, He comes into our heart and life and He fills us with the Spirit. We are filled with the utmost and the fullness of God's Spirit and there's no more, no less. Uh, we, you don't get a, a little bit uh, at salvation and then you have to get more as you get closer to God. No, uh, you get the full measure of the Spirit of God when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You have the whole of the Holy Spirit within you. What is different is is how yielded you are to His Spirit, how directed God's Spirit is, is in your life, how God directs you and whether or not you are uh, allowing Him to direct your life, how much God has perfected you and how much you're allowing God to perfect you in your life. You see, it's all about the filling of the Spirit that we're to do is not something that the Holy Spirit doesn't accomplish when we, He comes into our heart and life. Is how much we allow Him to control us. It's like a horse that is uh, uh, wild in nature. I, I'm not. I, listen, I'm not a cowboy. I'm not so, a bronco busting uh, cowboy or anything like that. I've seen pictures. I've seen a video of people doing it. And what happens is, is when a horse is has never been ridden. The first time they put a saddle on him, that horse goes crazy because it doesn't like having anything on that horse, uh, on its back. It'd be like me and you. Uh, and when it's saddled and bridled, it, it takes time for that horse to get used to it, right, uh, brother, buddy? You, 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 you're a little familiar with horses a little bit. And, and it takes time, and then you've got to break that horse, especially if it's a wild horse out of nature, uh, not one that's been bred, but uh, a horse that is wild, it goes, uh, it goes and starts to bucking and, and uh, all that kind of stuff when you try and sit on it for the first time. But as the horse learns to allow you to have control, it tames down, it, it quiets down. And we're that way when the Spirit of God comes into us, when we accept Jesus Christ and our Lord and Savior in our life. Uh, before we have Christ, we're just wild. We have all kinds of uh, crazy, uh, wild behaviors and wild ways in which we act and, and react. And as God begins to express His love towards us, as God begins to move into the, the temple that is our body, uh, it takes time for us to get used to uh, the Spirit of God living within us, and we have to learn to yield to the Spirit. We have to learn to yield to His direction. We have to allow Him to perfect our lives, and, how, and we have to allow Him to control us. It's all about our reaction to the Spirit of God. Uh, we, it's not because we got too little of the Holy Spirit, but because we're not yet yielding. Jesus Christ... Uh, was filled with the Spirit. In Luke chapter 4 it says, And Jesus being filled with the Spirit, full of the Spirit, uh, went down and was baptized. John chapter 3 verse 34 said, God uh, gave not the Spirit of measure unto Him. And what that means is, is that God did not give some Holy Spirit to Jesus Christ when He was uh, God incarnate on this earth, but the full measure of the Spirit. Now, other people that had the Spirit in, in the New Testament uh, and in the Old Testament, John the Baptist in Luke chapter 1 says, "...and he shall be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb." 
So John the Baptist was filled with the Spirit. Uh, And look, if you really want to apply this correctly, those prophets, those uh, uh, people who were judges in the Old Testament, those who stood and proclaimed, Thus saith the Lord in the Old Testament, they were in the very real sense what we would call today of being filled with the Spirit of God. Now, the Spirit had not come like it had after Jesus was uh, on the uh, on the earth, uh, after Jesus gave uh, the Holy Spirit to the disciples. Only certain individuals, only certain people were chosen of God to speak for God. And uh, But after Jesus came, after Jesus died on the cross, after Jesus paid the penalty for our sins, we all have the opportunity to have the Holy Spirit within us. It, uh, Peter, in Acts chapter 4, is said at Pentecost, he said, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said unto them, He stood up and he proclaimed uh, uh, the message of God and, and uh, spoke words of God. The apostles, uh, when they were choosing the deacons, in Acts chapter 6, verse 5, says they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and, and, uh, and the other disciples. Stephen was in chapter 7, verse 55, when he was pulled out and he was uh, stoned for his his serving God for his standing and and proclaiming the message. It says, But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, looked up steadfastly to heaven uh, before he passed away. And Saul, uh, uh, who became Paul, later in Acts chapter 9, verse 17, says he would... receive his sight once again after being blinded by uh, Jesus Christ on the road and being filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 13 verse 9 said that Saul uh, uh, also is called Paul filled with the Holy Spirit uh, sat eyes upon him before uh, healing an individual. So uh, there's, uh, these are all examples of the Holy Spirit coming upon people throughout the New Testament. And, and of course we have other examples as well. But uh, for us as Christians today, we need to understand that that's a part of being a child of God. That is a part of being a believer. In fact, I will go as far as to say there is no way... A believer in Christ can function in the power of God apart from the control of the Holy Spirit. We must have uh, our lives turned over to Christ and turned over to the uh, power of God in our life in the Holy Spirit. Uh, And if we do, they'll say of us the same as they said of the disciples, that they have turned the world upside down. And that's our call. Jesus Christ literally wants us to turn this world upside down so that we might proclaim the message of Christ and help people to understand um, the love of God, understand the grace of God, understand the forgiveness of God. uh, The Holy Spirit enables us to do things that only can be a part of our life if we have God in us, if we have Jesus Christ in us. Uh, The Bible says that Jesus uh, told His disciples that once the Holy Spirit came upon uh, them, that they would be able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think according to the power that works in you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit there. So if we're controlled by the Holy Spirit, we are yielding to His power. We're uh, yielding to His self-will 
to our self-will being crucified or put to death, sin is confessed and removed, and we are obedient to the Spirit of God. All of this is necessary for us to serve God in order for us to truly live for Him and, and to do His will. For us to really have... You know, a lot of times churches say, well, we want to get back to the old way of doing things. We want to get back to the, the way in which it was for the disciples where they were uh, serving the community. They were doing uh, uh, things in the community and people were able to see uh, that, that God was within them and people were coming uh, and they were... They're, their uh, assembly multiplied. It didn't just add with people. They multiplied uh, in terms of numbers of people coming. Well, it was all a result of the fact that the Holy Spirit was with them. The Holy Spirit was in them and they were allowing the Holy Spirit to work and move in their life. So, all of your position in Christ is discussed in chapters 1 through 3 and all of your practice of serving God, of living for God, living for Christ is in chapters 4 through 6 and all of this involves being filled with the Spirit. You can't do any of this without the Spirit of God living in you and having uh, uh, control in your life, having uh, the ability to, to, to do the things that God desires for you to do. So we looked at, at the contrast contrast between living a life filled with the Spirit and living a life of being controlled by the, the things of this world. Then we looked at the command of be uh, filled with the Spirit. And then we saw the consequences. We talked about the consequences that are singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And we talked about how this is really uh, uh, directed to the consequences of the Spirit of God in ourselves toward God and then toward others. That we sing songs as an outpouring of the, an overflow of the Holy Spirit in our life. This is a joy-filled heart and we sing songs to ourselves. We sing, uh, we're singing uh, because of, of what God has done in us. And then we looked at the second one, towards God and, uh, and uh, the consequence towards God is, is that when we have the Spirit of God in us, we proclaim thanks to Him and then towards others of submitting towards one another. These are the blessings that are the consequences of living a life of being Spirit-filled. So what about the second consequence that we need to look at? Uh, let's look at this verses 19 and 20. It says... Uh, uh, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's where we were last week. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And so what we want to do is focus on this last part here, verse 20. The second consequence of having a Spirit-filled life is that we are conscious of what God has done for us. We're aware of all the things that God has done. One of the greatest aspects of having a Spirit-filled life is the ability to understand all the things that God has done for us. God is filling our life. When we have a Spirit-filled, Christ-conscious, Word-filled, obedient, faithful Christian, we will give thanks to God for everything in our life. 
And what does it say in Psalms 100? It says, Enter into His gates with what? Thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Why? Because that is the way that you always come into God's presence. We cannot be ushered into the presence of God through the Holy Spirit living and dwelling within us without giving praise, without giving thanks. We express that joy that God has filled our life with the Holy Spirit in song, and then we begin to give thanks unto Him for all that He has done. William Hendrickson says, When a person prays without thanksgiving, when a person prays without thanksgiving, he has clipped the wings of prayer so that it cannot rise. We enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Oh, be thankful unto Him and bless His name. So the greatest worship that you can give God is thanksgiving. I I wish this would have coincided a little bit uh, later uh, into November with us uh, talking about thanksgiving because this is the perfect uh, sermon for Thanksgiving uh, Day. Uh, But we're to give thanks in all that God has done. To be thankful is the epitome of worship. It is the ultimate uh, worship of God. Thanksgiving is ultimately recognizing God and all that He has done and that God is the source of everything in our life. If you feel like you have done everything in yourself and, and you're in control of everything in your life, then you don't have thank, a thankful heart towards anyone. You don't have a thankful heart for what God has given you. You don't have a thankful heart because you don't see that God is really the source of everything. But when you have a relationship with, uh, with Christ, when the Holy Spirit is living within you, the ultimate uh, recognition of what God has done for you is to give thanks. It is ultimately a crucifixion of self. In the midst of everything, to be able to say, God be praised. In the midst of all the problems and all the things that are going on, it sees, uh, uh, you see the pain, you see the suffering, you see the difficulty in your job or, or relationships that you're having, you see all the struggles that you might be having, and in the midst of all of that, to be able to say, to God be the glory. In the midst of all of that, to say, thank you God for all that you're doing for me in spite of all the things that are going wrong. I give you praise. Romans 8, uh, 28 says, And all things work together for good for those who love Him and worship Him. So we need to worship Him. Ultimate worship says thanks to God, even in the hard times. For those who are dying, for those who are uh, uh, going through a difficult time in your life, to be able to give thanks to God. Because why? Because you know that... It can be ultimately used for God's purpose. God's uh, sovereignty in your life is to mold you and to shape you into the person He desires for you to be to accomplish His task. That is, my friends, called Christian maturity. You want to know how to be a mature Christian? That's it in a nutshell. Being able to praise God Now, we're not talking about being happy. We're not talking about uh, uh, that kind of feeling. It's praising God even in the midst of sorrow and difficulty. We have the supreme example of this in Job. Remember Job? He had 
uh, he was this man who was serving God, and and in the midst of all of that, Satan comes to Jesus and uh, comes to God. Excuse me, comes to God in heaven, and he says. Uh, uh, I'm going about seeing about all the things that I could do and all the trouble I can get in. And God says, have you considered my servant Job? You see how wonderful he is? And, and Satan said, look, it's only because you're blessing him. Take your hand off of him. Allow things to happen to him. And you, I can guarantee you he will curse you. And God says, well, let's put that to the test. And God said, okay, you can do this and you can do that. And, and God allowed Satan to afflict him with, with sores all over his body. He allowed him to lose all that he had. He lost his, his children. He lost all of his wealth. He lost all of his possessions. He lost uh, everything in his life. And still he, he praised God. And he said in the midst of all of that, when his friends came along and tried to accuse him of doing something bad, he said, naked I came into the world, naked I'll leave. I'll leave this world the same way that God brought me into it. And he would never curse God. And because of that, God blessed him. God increased his wealth, increased his family, and all those things. So when it says here in verse 20, it says, after you sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs and singing, making melody in your heart, it says, give thanks. Well, when are we to be thankful? It says, give thanks when? Always. We're to give thanks in all circumstances, just like Job. Job says, I'm going to give thanks to God even when it looks like everything is falling apart, when all of these things are going through the most difficult time in my life. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to thank God. Because now, Job wished he didn't, uh, didn't live out of being, child, uh, being born. He wished that he didn't go through all that sorrow, but he still didn't curse God and he still was appreciative to God for all that he had had and all that he had experienced in life. When uh, we're to be thankful always, we're to recognize that, uh, in doing so, when we, when we praise God all the, way, all the time, we're recognizing what? We're recognizing that God's in control. When, God, when we know that God is in control, we know that, that He's in control when, when the things are good, going good. It's easy to thank God when all the things are just happy-go-lucky and everything just seems to be wonderful. It's easy to thank God. Well, sometimes we forget. Sometimes we, we get to a point where we, we get so distracted by all the things that are happening that we forget to thank God. When we get sick and, and, and all that, when we get better, all of a sudden we're, we're just right back into the world and we sometimes forget to thank God for bringing us healing. Or when a loved one uh, is sick and then gets well, we forget a lot of times to thank God for the fact that He brought them through. We prayed at the altar. We, we uh, implored our hearts that God would bring healing. But when they are healed, so many times we forget to thank Him. But we're also thanking God and that He is in control even when bad things are happening, even when things are just don't seem like uh, they're coming together, when everything seems to be falling apart. We're to give praise. We're to thank God. We're to thank Him that He's in control, that He is the one who is bringing about the days of your life. 
that He's able to take us out of that uh, sorrowful time. It recognizes not only that God's in control of our life, but that God is conforming us into the image of Christ. He is molding and shaping us into the image of Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says that we are to give thanks in everything. In everything, give thanks. So where, what are the three categories of those who are thankful? Well, like I said, uh, we have, first of all, those who are thankful for the blessings. It's always easy to... This is the easiest form of thanksgiving. It's to... When things are going good, like when the Israelites were, were between the Red Sea and, and Pharaoh's army. Oh, they were full of griping and complaining when it looked like they were going to die but when God split open the Red Sea and enabled them to walk across on dry land and then the uh, Pharaoh's army chased after them and, and God closed up the waters and, and destroyed the whole all of Pharaoh's army, boy, they let out in song. They just sang and they gave thanks and they rejoiced and they sang so many songs because of what God had done for them. That's so easy to do. When things are good, it's easy. It's easy for us to give thanks. And we should do it in spite of how easy it is because we need to remember that it is God that has done these things. It's God that has delivered us. It's God that's bring, brought us victory. But we also need to, uh, to do the little bit harder thing, and that is to thank God before the battle begins for the victory that is to come. To thank God for the battle before the battle comes for the victory that is to come. And I'm reminded of, of Jesus Christ as He's uh, uh, heard about his, one of His beloved friends, Lazarus, passing away. Lazarus is, is passed away and word comes to Jesus and the disciples is there a distance away and Jesus waits a little while. And the disciples can't understand that other than maybe that Jesus knows that He's not as sick as He really uh, the message seemed to indicate. But Jesus doesn't go immediately. And, and then uh, when Jesus goes, uh, when He's still afar off, the, uh, the family, Mary and Martha, come out and they're crying and wailing because Lazarus has already died. And all the, the professional mourners come along with them and they're just crying and moaning and, compl- and, and just uh, wailing because of this death. And before Jesus uh, raises Lazarus, He prays to God giving thanks because he was, God was enabling them to see what Jesus knew. And that was that He was Lord over death and the grave that Jesus was the Creator God, that, God was, it was, uh, that Jesus was uh, as God in their presence. And He was able to raise Lazarus from the dead. And so Jesus praised God before the victory was even come and praises God for the opportunity. But the third category, that's the hardest. That's the hardest category of all. That's to praise God and be thankful to God even in the midst of the battle when it looks like you are losing. When it looks like everything, <coughs> all is lost. <clears throat> when it appears as though everything <coughs> is in turmoil and nothing is going to, 
to come out. That's like Jonah and the whale in the midst of being in a, in a great fish before God delivers him, giving thanks to God. Giving thanks because he knows that, uh, that things look rough and things look as though everything is pointing to his demise. He's praying for deliverance. But he's not, it's not certain that he, it would come. That's like uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego praising God as they're being taken to the great furnace because they wouldn't bow before the king's idol. And praising God because they would have the opportunity to die as a witness for God. That's like Daniel. Praising God in the midst of the lion's den. Oh, it looked like he was going to be eaten up by those lions. It looked like there was defeat coming. But he praised God in the midst of it. It's like Jesus in the midst of his praying that God would deliver the cup from him before going to the cross. And it looks like defeat is coming. Before anyone else can see it, he knows that the soldiers are on their way to take him and he's going to be beaten. He's going to be crucified to give thanks to God in the midst of it. We need to give thanks to God in the midst of Which one are you? Are you the person that only thanks God when it seems as though everything's working good and you only thank God when, only in the good times, only when things work out? Or are you able to thank God in the midst of turmoil and struggle before the battle even begins? You thank God for the victory. Or are you able to do the hardest one? To thank God in the midst of defeat, in the midst of all the troubles, in the midst of all the, the struggles. To thank God in spite of that. Like Job. And to thank God even when it looks like certain defeat. Because you know God's in control. Because you know that God is able to be glorified and that God's Word is to be able to be shared. That God's message of His love, His hope, His grace, His mercy, His forgiveness will go forth. Which one are you? Let's pray. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we do thank You for all that You've given us, for all that You've supplied. And Lord, help us to be thankful in the midst of all that happens in our life, whether good times or bad, in the midst of struggles, in the midst of turmoil and, and pain and suffering. Lord, help us to be able to express our thanks to You. Lord, help us to lift our voices and praise You in our most difficult times. Lord, help us to keep our eyes upon You and remember that You are in control of all things. Lord, we give honor and glory to You in Jesus' name. Amen.